This episode is brought to you by Auth0. That's Auth0.com. In this episode, we have art director, writer, designer, developer, anthropologist, Chimera, Maggie Appleton. We discuss all about being a digital anthropologist and how to build your own digital garden. I'm Brian Anthony. And I'm Frederick Philip Von Weiss. And thank you so much for consuming the Thunder Nerds, a conversation with the people behind the technology that love what they do and do tech good. good. Nice. <laughs> we love that time. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for watching the show. If you can, please go to the notification bell and uh, subscribe. Remember, every time you uh, click the notification bell, Brian Hinton gets his wings. Yeah, we'd like, we to, thank, we'd like to thank AuthZero. AuthZero is this season's sponsor. They make it easy for developers to build a custom, secure, and standards-based uh, login, unified login and authentication as a service. Try, try them out. Go to yep, right there, AuthZero.com today. Uh, also, check out their YouTube and Twitch under the username AuthZero with some great developer resources and streams. And uh, last but not least is Avocado Labs. I love that name. An online destination that their developer advocates run organizing some great meetups. Thank you, AuthZero. Let's go ahead and welcome our guest. We have an amazing guest today. We have, let me read all these points correctly. We have art director, writer, designer, developer, anthropologist, Chimera. I think I'm saying Chimera correctly. <laughs> yeah. And okay. UX designer, Maggie Appleton. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Really appreciate you uh, being here with us. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'll also say I'm a, a mediocre version of all of those things listed. So don't expect I'm not an expert like eight years. <laughs> Well, you are a Chimera, so I imagine you have some kind of uh, um, uh, understanding of these things. So, uh, hey, how how are things been for you? How's the um, how's the COVID situation going on in your side of the world? Uh, it's not too bad. So I'm here in London, um, and we got out of uh, our more stringent lockdown like two weeks ago, um, mm. and the weather aligned perfectly. So it's been like 24 degrees, um, which I can't translate. Someone will have to like 80. Um, 80, yeah. In Fahrenheit, I think, uh, ever since it, uh, lockdown lifted about uh, two weeks ago. So we're still, you can't go out in groups of like more than 30 or more than six inside, but the fact cafes are open is, is an enormous um, change for us. And we have restaurants again, like it's been really nice. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, were you on was full lockdown? Oh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, were you on full lockdown yourself uh, the past year? Or like what, what was your situation like? Yeah, um, we went in, England went in and out of lockdown a bit, but they went, got pretty strict around, it was like a couple of weeks before Christmas, maybe it was like mid-November, we went into pretty hard lockdown, the sort where like mm. nothing's open but grocery stores and pharmacies, and we've oh, been in hard nothing. lockdown wow. since then. Oh, um, yeah, but um, vaccinations are rolling out, so like I got my first one last mm. week, they're starting to vaccinate people in their 30s and 20s right now, so yeah, it's, it's happening. What, what were you like? What, what, Did you have the sore what, what, arm? What, and yeah, yeah and, and, was, and what what vaccination did you actually get to? oh yes i'm curious oh, uh, uh pfizer so everyone under 40 here they're not giving them astrazeneca they're giving them pfizer just in case i'm team pfizer too 
Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. <laughs> How did all this actually uh, affect your life um, and affect your your work um, at at your company and maybe other things that you're doing too? Yeah, um, I was. I got honestly. I'm very privileged and lucky. And the company I work for, um, AKI, we've been remote first since day one. So I started working for them five nice. years ago. And everyone else is based in the U.S. They're mostly in um, Washington State. We have some people in um, Portland. Um, and yeah, we've we've always just worked remotely. I've I've moved countries about five times since starting to work for them, um, but finally settled back down in London. Um, so yeah, when, when COVID happened, I mean, it sucked. I had to give up my co-working space and move into my small London flat, <laughs> which is now my bedroom and, and the office and hangout space and, you know, everything all in one. <laughs> um, but I, but work wise, I, I got, yeah, very fortunate. They didn't change much in my day-to-day work. Yeah. I think the tech industry, we're pretty lucky in that regard to have the, the ability and, you know, blessed to not, you know, have to worry about those sort of things like a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. So what what let's talk about a little bit about what you do, Maggie. Let's let's talk about your your day to day. What what exactly do you do at Egghead? Um, well, I definitely we're a small team, so we're the kind where you sort of do whatever needs to be done. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm sort of vaguely in charge of anything that is to do with um, art direction, visual design, um, design fairly generally. So I have uh, one other designer works on the team who's who's an incredible unicorn who knows like everything from React to, to front-end UI and really covers that um, realm really well. And I work more on art direction, visual design, and then I help do UX design too. So thinking more through user flows and experiences and what someone needs to see in a certain context and copywriting considerations. So I'm sort of on, on the two ends of the spectrum, right? If you kind of usually have UX on one end and then UI stuff in the middle and then like illustration and visual design on the other, I kind of hit the two ends and skip the middle. <laughs> You're a little bit of a developer as well too, right? Uh, yeah, again, I would call myself a very mediocre developer, but or it's like a hobby. <laughs> um, but the company I work for teaches um, front-end web development. So we teach JavaScript, React, Vue, Angular, you know, all kind of the classic Node, hot new um, <laughs> JavaScript frameworks um, as, as a video tutorial platform. So by working there, I just started playing around with React and playing around with JavaScript. I knew basic HTML and CSS from being a teenager on the internet, you know, and like customizing my Neopets page and my MySpace CSS profile. Nice. Um, but, you know, yeah, but never took it seriously and, and didn't think I was uh, terrible at math. So I went, oh, I can't do programming because I'm you know, crap at math. Um, but then, yeah, um, started picking it up and playing around with it. And of course, I love the, you know, animations and, and like what would be data viz, but without the data. <laughs> so playing around with SVG yeah. shapes and D3, but without like anything to do with Excel spreadsheets. Um, so yeah, I really love uh, fun web development. It's much more just kind of about the frivolous, like visual play of it. Yeah, I'm I'm curious too about um, the you know anthropology side. Like, do you have a background in, in that? Like, what yeah, you know, what's your yeah? You know, tell us more um, about that. <laughs> that's that's maybe the the weird bit that anthropology is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> know, developer designer anthropology. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, I studied cultural anthropology for my undergraduate degree. Oh, nice. um, I did like a, a liberal arts school in the US, yeah. um, which was which was great. Um, and I, I found anthropology and immediately was like, oh, I've been waiting for this. Like, this is exactly the kind of stuff I love. It's all just cultural analysis and trying to understand, you know, um, the variation in the ways cultures can express themselves all across the world and why we develop certain 
traditions or written rituals or beliefs and kind of what like purposes those serve for people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I majored in that as a, an undergraduate um, and then of course graduated and was like, cool, I have like an anthropology degree. Who would like to hire me? <laughs> <laughs> so has that helped you at all in any of your, like the, either the code or, or design side? Like what does it contribute? Yeah, for, for I'll say right after I graduated, I, you know, I went into web design and graphic design because that was employable. Um, of course, and I anthropology to, to design. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's actually very natural. It, it seems yeah. that you know, obviously, what you're doing with digital anthrop anthropology, but it seems almost like a a, a very natural transition for um, maybe almost anybody to go, go down that route because it, it's it empowers your work so much and you know, with, with metaphor design and being able to explain these concepts, it's, it's uh, uh, very advantageous. Yeah. I, and it's funny too, that like it sort of came back around with UX design right now. It's like very similar mm -hmm. to anthropology. It's kind of come full circle, but up until like three or four years ago, I'd never really heard of UX design. I mean, it's, it's fairly new in the, you know, span of human history, let's say, <laughs> you know, it's been around, I think for like three or four decades at this point as like any kind of official um, industry. Uh, so yeah, so once I realized that UX designers were just sort of like anthropologists in disguise, I started being like, oh, I think I'm going to hang out with you people more because it seems like you're <laughs> like, like reading all the same theorists that I read and you're like pulling in all the same material. Um, so yeah, so I'm very much kind of leaning back into my anthropological roots now that UX design is a thing. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe it would help for the audience if you just kind of describe what, uh, for the people that might not understand this concept, what digital anthropology is and mm. how, um, how you employ it every day at, at your work and, and uh, use it with your work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's definitely, um, not an obvious thing, right? Cause anthropology can, a lot of people will even think like, oh, that is like digging up old human bones, right? And dinosaur bones, <laughs> yeah. like analyzing, which is, is absolutely a part of the field. There's archeologists who, who fall under the umbrella of anthropology because we sort of have physical, biological, linguistic, and cultural are kind of the four main disciplines, uh, or branches of the discipline. So I studied cultural, which is, yeah, again, the, the way people behave in cultures and digital anthropology is specifically just looking at anything that involves, well, like digital objects or so anything that is mediated, we would say, by things that run on binary code and computational logic. So that you know includes the entire internet. So it kind of gives you a broad span of, of things to study. Um, but digital anthropologists tend to study the cultural elements of that. So, you know, um, how do people socialize in, in online spaces and and how do we understand computational objects as, you know, um, partners in our rituals or how they, you know, mediate the way that we decide to structure our lives and what is valuable to us. I mean, it's kind of a broad range of things. People study AI, machine learning is like a big topic at the moment. Um, I, I can't say I officially use it in any direct way, like on a day-to-day -day basis at work. It's very much like I spend a lot of time in the JavaScript world looking at them being like, huh, you guys are being like kind of tribal with your whole like, alignment with frameworks, you know, <laughs> like, I like that. really care about like what stickers are on shirts and, you know, how you're like signaling to the other tribal members, like, hey, I'm like a view person. It, like, it does matter. <laughs> stickers matter. <laughs> yeah. People yeah, love stickers. So, <laughs> it is yeah, weird. So, <laughs> uh, I'm very much like a sideline anthropologist at the moment, just sort of, you know, analyzing things for, from Twitter threads or all that sort of stuff, but nothing that's, you know, sort of on a day-to-day -day level that intense. <laughs> I, I'm curious too about, um, like when you went into that, did you have like a, maybe a, a mental picture of where you would actually end up when you went, started the degree, like what you were thinking of doing? 
no, I was like, I was the most naive, you know, 19, 20 year old. I just was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I took my first anthropology class and kind of fell in love and, and had that thing of like, this is great. I'll just, you know, I'll start reading all these theorists and, and, and loved it. <laughs> and it was only, only in senior year where we all kind of looked at our professors like, so what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and genuinely they went, well, the U.S. Army hires a lot of anthropologists. That's good. They do? Really? For what? Because um, I mean, the best way to, like, I guess, beat your enemy is to really understand, oh, like, the deep details of their culture, like, what is shameful for them, and what are their, you know, weaknesses, and what do they value and really love? Like, if you can understand that, you can really get inside their head and mess with them. Oh, I so, it's the same job. thing with, with, with <laughs> war, just, just like with Facebook <laughs> or Twitter. It's, it's the same kind of um, platform, mm. right? <laughs> Attacking people's yeah. psyche. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are anthropologists working at places like, like Facebook and, and Twitter too, but yeah, the, the U S yeah. army hires a lot of them. And we also, and so it was that or, or graduate school. We were like, hmm, I think I'm going to go look for jobs somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, I, I really enjoy your, your website and your, um, I don't know if I could call it a blog, your digital garden and your digital essays. Um, it's, it's really inspiring the way that you, you create these illustrated uh, metaphors. Um, do you mind just uh, brushing up on, on those like a little bit, just uh, telling us uh, uh, what, what that's about and uh, what, what you do with those and um, why, why you put those up there? And then we'll, we'll, maybe we'll dive into a little bit more what a digital garden is and how it's been around since the late nineties and uh, how, how you're using it. Sure. Um, yeah. So I'm um, kind of known as like a visual metaphor nerd is the way I would best describe it. You're on um, the right show. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, with um, my work at Egghead, uh, when I first got started there, most of what I was doing was we released courses about right. Um, and yeah, essentially front end web development. So they're on things like, you know, callbacks in JavaScript, right? Or like state management in React. These are kind of the, the topics we cover. Uh, and I came on as the illustrator. And, and, you know, it's like for every course we put out, I started making illustrated artwork that goes on, on top of it. So uh, my job from the beginning was how do you represent really abstract programming concepts in something that someone can see? Uh, and, you know, it's meaningful, you know, it's not just like, you know, a robot holding a React logo or, you know, like a bunch of gears and, and some other frameworks logo. Um, but I really was like, okay, how do you, in, you know, come up with a metaphor that actually means something and communicates what is essentially just like abstract concepts and syntax, um, which was a really wonderful challenge and got me to really get to explore really deeply how you design a metaphor, how metaphors work. Um, yeah, you can see something there. Um, in really how you come up with meaningful visual symbols for for otherwise abstract concepts. Um, uh, yeah, so and so so some of the work is yeah these course illustrations I've made for Egghead, and then that eventually turned into doing a lot more what I would call illustrated essays, where again I'm taking concepts that are difficult or, or at least complex if you're not a developer. Like I, I did one on what are APIs, mm -hmm. um, which mm -hmm. you know if you're not a developer, everyone's like, what do you mean an API? What do you mean it's like one program talking to another? Is this like a is this like an interface I can click on? Is this like an a, like a thing I send as a link in an email? Like, what are you talking about APIs? So I did this illustrated essay that explains APIs through the metaphor of robot waiters who like you know bring you data um, and are you know, <laughs> you know can only say certain things to you, can ask them for certain things that are on the menu. Um, so I learned about this this idea of um, metaphors will what we say they hide and highlight certain things. So you have you know a thing you want to represent, which is like APIs. 
Uh, and the metaphor is like the, the lens you're gonna view them through. So that's like robot waiters. Um, and robot waiters, we can say, will have certain qualities, right? Like they'll bring you something, they give you a menu of, of, of selected options and there's nothing you can't order off the menu. Um, and then we map, right, the qualities of that onto the API and go, okay, I get it now. APIs bring you things and you can only ask them for a limited set of things. Um, so, they, so it highlights the things that those two things have in common and it hides all the things they don't. So there's tons of details about APIs that you're not gonna get from that essay because it's like, the, you know, the details of, of REST versus SOAP versus GraphQL, like you it doesn't go into that. Um, and there's tons of qualities about, you know, a hypothetical robot waiter that aren't, that aren't included in the essay because those two things don't share those qualities. So like robot waiters, right? They might like wear a bow tie. Okay, that like isn't that essay. <laughs> or you know, or like, like they, they get paid a salary. That has nothing to do with APIs. So like those qualities are hidden and only the two things, the qualities that you think share that overlap are highlighted. And those are the things you draw attention to. I'm, so I'm it's kind of how metaphors I've seen the anthropology side <laughs> coming into play there. Yeah. 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 I also want to point out um, one thing I love so much about all of your, at least all of them I've looked at, uh, as a source code uh, browser, you put wonderful alt, alt text with all of your images, and, or, or most of them that I've seen anyway, and which is great because accessibility, you know, having an image and a fancy graphic is great, but if like people who can't see it, can't understand it, then uh, it's Yeah, we don't get a lot that. of that or enough yeah. of that. Yeah, it's great. It's especially hard with, I know, complex illustrations to put the right text in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I do try to make sure, like, now you're making me think I should double check all the images, but I, I swear, there are a couple of times I've gone to my site, just made sure, right? I'm, like, okay, I'm going to go get check that one? right now. Make <laughs> sure. We'll um, have the audience do that. Okay, yeah, good. If you find one, like, really, like, uh, my um, my site's on Git, like, please, like, log an issue or PR, fix it, like, totally fine. <laughs> Yeah, I like the meat planet one a lot too. You somehow made something that's kind of gross, which it is gross. No, it is gross. Uh, meat is generally, uh, I don't know what word, gooey. <laughs> you made it not that gross to look at. <laughs> which is good. good. Um, for that one, it yeah, is kind of yeah. funny. Like I've been yeah. uh, vegetarian for well over, maybe it's like over a decade now. I forget when I first really went. Um, it's like a decade. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that, that essay is about, um, cultivated meats, right? Growing meat in labs. Like we won't really have to kill animals and this idea, we're just going to yeah. grow it through, um, in, in bioreactors, um, and fermentation tanks, which is really cool. I kind of, I'm following the, the cultivated meat industry sort of as a fan. Um, but to make that essay, which yeah. is all about that, I had to just like download the most grotesque meat photos. <laughs> like I have a reference folder. It's just like, butcher shops and blood and there's just like oh guts God. everywhere <laughs> when the fbi looks at your computer they're gonna be like what person like, yeah 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 so it's, it's good as a vegetarian i have an extensive collection of, of very meaty uh reference images in my <laughs> that's a great quote <laughs> extension of very meaty you know you know uh, that that reminds me about uh one of the things i saw on what was it learning with uh learning with jason where you were on there you were drawing i think you guys were coming up with ideas for uh some sandwiches and you, yeah. you had such amazing, like just to see your process yeah. of going through this and like thinking about everything and then the finished results. It was, it was really cool to, to see that. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, that one was fun. Jason's uh, wonderful. And like, I mean, he's incredible with running that show. I think it's almost every single day he's like got someone else on and they're like exploring some wild new idea. Anyway, it's, it's a great show if anyone wants, is interested in web dev. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll put a link to that. Yeah. Watch Jason show. Yeah, we had him on a few months ago. Great guy. 
Yeah, let's uh, circle back to, uh, we mentioned we had circle back to what is a digital, digital gardening. Garden. Yeah. yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so digital gardening um, is the hot new buzzword of 2021 um, or maybe 2020. From 1990s. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because, yeah, so the, the term first came up in, in the 1990s as part of like it was right in the beginning when they were trying to figure out like what hypertext was, right? The web's exploding. How do you get people to navigate the space? How do you teach them that like blue underlying text means you should click on it? Like that's a thing, you know, to teach people that. Um, so it was sort of figuring how do you get people to navigate through, through hyper hypertext space? Um, and people were using this metaphor of gardening, right? So you're going to have like garden links and there are going to be like wiki gardeners. It was sort of the beginning of, of wikis and um, becoming a really popular thing. So that was like very early on. There was all this kind of noise about it. And it didn't really become like digital gardening as a concept until 2015 was kind of this point where um, Mike Caulfield, um, who goes by App Hapgood on, on Twitter, who's like an incredible thinker in, in terms of um, like what is the web and how do we relate to it and trying to advocate for for, for wikis and, and personal websites and, and people really um, building their own space online. Um, and he now works in like disinformation studies. Um, anyway, he wrote this long essay called The Garden and the Stream, which was about this idea that um, the web used to be, we would say topographical. So like kind of like geographical space, like early GeoCity sites was very much about like sites in relation to each other and everyone built their own weird little website and they linked to all their friends. And you were yeah, very web much rings. browsing space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. web yeah. rings, right? Yeah. And you kind of knew where things were, they stayed stable, right? You could go to someone's website and it would and it would be, the you know, they might've updated it, but you knew where it was. And like, you knew if anyone else went to that website, you saw the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then... I forget what year they like cite this to. It was whatever year that Facebook brought in the the news feed. Was it like 20, 2006? I'm going to try and remember my history. <laughs> um, anyway, we got this this new concept of the stream, right? Where you sit back and a stream of content is delivered to you. And your stream is different to everyone else's stream. And you can't see each other's streams, right? So you're like all having a different experience of the web and it's constantly moving. So you can't. Oh, Chris Aldrich is great. He's um, <laughs> he, <laughs> know, he knows a ton about this too. So I actually listen to him more than my speed on it. But anyway, things come to you and everyone gets a different stream and you some, now have a web that's constantly moving and is time chronologically based. Oh, um, yep. 2006. You're yeah, right. good. 2006. Good Thank you. <laughs> um, the, the New York Times actually just made a, a, a film, like, was it last week or this week, a, a, with the same concept. They didn't necessarily reference Mike Caulfield, but they probably should, and other people who've been working in this space. But they were really the ones, like, advocating this idea way back in 2015. Um, and so this is a, a long way of saying gardening is, is this idea of getting back to the spatial topographical web. <laughs> Um, where we are building our own personal spaces online that are not on the servers of companies like Twitter and Facebook. They're not there's anything like, you know, inherently wrong with them, but it's just you don't own the content and they're in charge of what you see and, you know, algorithms are running who sees what. And, you, and it's really hard to find your way back to content or to verify who's seen what, like you can't tell. Um, but coming back to this idea of you have your own space, you control it, and it's your own space to put up, um, what we would call like personal knowledge. So it's it's less, you know, posting. I mean, you can post blog posts about what you really want, but a lot of it is people are posting ideas that are in progress and half finished things. And you're just trying to cultivate kind of your own personal wiki on the web. Um, yeah, avoid walled gardens, there's little graphic of it. So I drew little yeah. illustrations for kind of the six, what I call design patterns of gardening in that, in that post. Yeah, that's a perfect visual uh, metaphor for, for, you know, the walled gardens. Like you, you can't, your your plants can't spread and grow and, span because you're stuck in this like box which yeah it's 
Perfect. And, 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 and that's the thing about people. We, we change, we grow. Um, it's not about, oh, I'm going to put out a post that's, you know, evergreen. It, 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 it's, it's just we are uh, a term, if you want to say that evergreen. But, you know, we, we have ideas and those ideas evolve. Not only do they change or sometimes pivot, but sometimes they just get better. And, and why, why do we need to have these things that are stuck on uh, uh, on medium forever that don't evolve right i mean we could revise it but um are are do we need to be held to something that we said 20 years ago when you know the technology changed uh, or some other pattern changes right yeah so yes it's very much about to yeah, updating your ideas because gardening this idea is like you're constantly tending your your digital garden so yeah you can right. put up an idea uh, and it might not be perfect. You're putting up what you know so far and you have to be, you know, um, transparent about that. So a lot of people will put tags on their posts, like, uh, you know, half finished or, you know, just an idea. Um, or like I use the the um, categorization of, I'll say I have seedlings, I have budding and I have evergreen. And evergreen means like, I really thought it through. I've edited this thing, I've revised it a ton. It's really kind of like solid. Budding is like, it's kind of getting there. I've like given it a first pass, like it's still not perfect. And seedling is like, I've just, I'm like chucking up notes They're they're half finished sentences. Like this is just like, I've just had this idea and I'm trying to figure out what it is. Um, so people have different levels of this. And another person I'll say who does this really well uh, and he's kind of like internet famous, right? It's Gwern.net is like a really old school blogger who's been around for ages. And he puts everything from like his certainty level on a scale of one to 10, how important he thinks the thing is. Um, when he started it, when he finished it, a whole Git log of when it's changed. He's like all this wonderful metadata giving you um yeah like visibility into how the post came to be and what stage it's at and where he thinks it's going um and it's just this idea of us all wanting more metadata about information on the internet right we're not just like looking at something and being like oh this is like some finished thing someone's thought to but having space for imperfect things and things that will be revised to, to be able to live on the web too yeah and it reminds me a lot uh, there was a i wish i could remember the quote verbatim but essentially someone talked about planting a garden and how you you know you plant your your different plants throughout your whole garden bed and you have this like vision of how it will look but then as it grows chaos turns it into something that was much more beautiful uh, than you originally intended. And with, you know, removing the walled gardens, you spread it out. So I may take some of your concepts, do something of my own, and it just keeps spreading. And then we end up something much better than if it was just, you know, on Facebook. Yeah. 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 Um, and it is also in that in building these on the open web in, you know, HTML, CSS, maybe a little bit of JavaScript, you know, that's debatable. <laughs> um, you know, it gives us space to play. I like the idea of like playing with, you know, different kinds of links or different kinds of categories and ways of organizing things and really that sort of creativity and interfaces that people had in the early web. Um, because then if, you know, if you have a, a Facebook mm. profile, you you fit into that categories, right? You put your photo here, and you put your hometown here and your gender here, right? Like you, you have to fit into the cookie cutter. Uh, and digital gardens, part of the philosophy, at least in the way that I understand it and think is important is like that you get to just like play with, I mean, it, it does assume that you have some some fluency with HTML and, and like the native tech of the web, but just to actually play with the medium and to be like, okay, I can put, you know, images anywhere. I can arrange things anywhere and I can decide how I want to present these posts and link them together. Um, so it, it feels to me like a, an opportunity to have a playground uh, and to arrange things so that they fit your mind and, and the things you're exploring and the things you want to to be, you know, researching and who you want to connect to rather than just like the same format everyone puts up on, on social well, media. Well, 
Do you have any kind of um, examples of something that you've done with, with this recently? Um, for example, anything that you're like, you know, I th this definitely couldn't have been a blog, a, a statement that I put out there and it's there forever. I've been working on X, Y, and Z and here's the value of it. Like if you could explain that to somebody like in a, in a real example. Uh, so wait, do you mean like a, a post I've made that went through like a number of revisions on the on the garden? Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Um, like, well, actually, honestly, I mean, this is very meta, but right, the, I have that post <laughs> on the history and ethos of the digital garden, which I started writing a year ago. And when I say started writing, I mean, I put up a page that said the history and ethos of the digital garden and like chucked up some some vague sentences and links to some gardens. And like, it was kind of just like a haphazard thing kind of like let it sit dormant for six months, people would sort of stumble across it and be like, oh, you should finish this. And I also put um, a little box I'll put on some of my posts that say coming soon if you want me to finish this, bug me on Twitter to finish writing it. And I mostly pay attention mm. to the posts that people tweet at me saying, hey, you should finish this. Then I actually go, like, oh, I actually should finish that. <laughs> um, but that post, it, I just, I kept working on it and it would get revised and I would add different things to it. And I really only cleaned it up properly over the last like two months, which is, like a year after like all the sort of hype had originally happened. But honestly, it kind of took me that long to be sure that like I fully understood what digital gardening was and kind of like was watching the trends of how people were trying to apply it and like what people really thought it was. And I just like didn't feel I could write that post until I had like kind of watched the community discuss it for that long and like hear all the different takes and kind of know who to, who to link to and who should be credited for things. Um, so I built it really slowly like you know, 20 minutes every two weeks or something working on it. Um, which it depends on what kind of writer you are. Some people really can just sit down and write, but I'm a very slow, slow writer. I just, it takes me a long time to figure out what I'm saying and say it. <laughs> um, so gardening appeals to those people. <laughs> yeah. And like hearing you explain it and talk through it a little bit more than rather than just reading it really makes it just like, I don't know. It makes me like happy to look at it now too. Cause I'm looking at your, your, your one of your most recent, ones uh well on your site anyway it's like highlighted the pattern language of project zan xanadu, xanadu? I, I love i love like you know the draft in progress and then there's a coming soon and then you you outlined it uh so you have like you know the different sections below um yeah it's just it's so nice it does really remind me of a wiki too for sure when you think about it like how wikis tend to be very much always in progress where you're adding uh um, you know, those individual pieces and chunks and outlining and then coming back and expanding on it. It's almost like your own uh, docs in mm -hmm. a way. And I like yeah. how you have this uh, full history of uh, digital yeah. gardening and like, like you talk about like where it comes from, the origins in the 90s and you you go into everything and you kind of um, highlight here all those things from the tweet as well. Uh, a, a lot more in detail here with... Uh, what it is uh you have all your illustrations down here it's a long article but like these are <laughs> these are great i mean it's it's very much yeah. worth the read um uh, to carefully read it too i i might add uh, there's a lot of great information in here well i'll say the the community around it has been really wonderful like i i mean i've been on twitter for a while right and like just found incredible friends and communities on there and just like run into the most wonderful people and like had great professional connections but but the people who are sort of circling around digital gardening and tools for thought and, and Rome research is, is another big um, uh, tool that like people kind of congregating around. Um, and I wish there was like a more of a name I could give to this community, but it's just great. There's just this people are, you know, doing tweet threads on, on their understanding of gardening and like linking you to really interesting, you know, like 
papers from the ACM from like 1994, you know, like hypertext oh, wow. explorations. And you're just, it's just like community knowledge coming together. So I was like, everything I've written in there is really that other people pointed me to it or they had insights. And I tried to cite as many people as I could, but um, I, I, I do like the idea that I'm, I'm, the best I can do is be uh, a cultural anthropologist who's kind of like helping a community tell their story. Like I would love if that was kind of my role in this whole weird mini historical trend we're in. Um, the person just helps, you know, congregate it together. If yeah, here's a great comment. Maybe you want to take this one, Brian. Yeah, uh, Nikki. Uh, if I say this wrong, sorry. Nikki Dix uh, says I was originally inspired by Maggie's website. I've never enjoyed blogging, but I'm really excited to have a go at a digital garden, learning as I go. Even more so after hearing this. So thank you. Oh, that's great. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah, she she goes on to write uh, as a. Uh, a complete non-coder just started using Rome. How much HTML do I need to learn and where should I start? Maggie, I'll let you take that one. Sure. Um, well, also to say this, there's another post on my garden called Digital Gardening for Non-Technical Folks. Um, so that's like if you if you aren't interested in learning code and you like don't want to get you know into the HTML, there's there's a bunch of really great services uh, and things coming up that you can use. And Rome Research is is one where you can kind of use it as like a source for your notes. And there's a service called Rome Garden. I think it's Rome.garden is the URL that will like source your Rome notes and turn it into a more presentational like website format, digital garden. Um, but I've put in the post that you can also do it with Notion um, is a really becoming a really popular way for people who like don't want to touch code to to be able to build gardens. Mm. Um, and Obsidian um, is another tool that's doing it. So there's, uh, I mean, yeah. I'll be say I get a lot of great DMs from people who right now are, are building digital gardening platforms and systems. And um, there's some really exciting ones coming out um, that I'm kind of like hoping will will come to fruition. That are maybe an alpha or beta at the moment. But I'll say over the next two years, there's going to be a lot more options for people who don't want to dig into to the code side. Yeah, I think there was a, a really good um, uh, interview with you. And I forget what the gentleman's name was that you were on his show where you talked all about uh, Rome and and then uh, went into the details of that. We'll, we'll put a, I'll find that again. and I'll put a link in the show notes. Who, who was that? I don't remember, Maggie. I'm trying to think of who it might have been because there are a few... Um, okay, <laughs> I think it was a recent one. Because uh, Rome FM, I think, is well, it's like a Rome-specific podcast. And then I was on Robert Hasfield runs a number of Rome tours on YouTube, which I did. Uh, um, and I'm trying to think of what a recent one would have been. I told about Rome. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, we'll we'll put a yeah. link in the show notes. Maybe yeah. you could tell us um, what what some of the uh, the biggest challenges that somebody might face when they. Um, start this? Like, is it just uh, a thing where it's just super hard to get your head around it? Um, what, or, or maybe there's something else that I'm, I'm not thinking about. Like, what, what are some of the biggest challenges to uh, to overcome at this start? Um, I think people, I think justifiably do get a little caught up on what tool to use or what platform. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because, right, you, you yeah. know, you're evaluating which one's right for me? Do I want to get into building this? You know, if you know a little bit, maybe you know HTML and CSS and you're kind of like, oh, do I want to like start like a, you can start like a Gats, mine's built on Gatsby, which is a, a JavaScript, um, I don't say framework, but a uh, thing where you can build a blog with it. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> static site generator, that is the official term. Um, Next.js is a similar one that has a lot of people and Jekyll, like these are all sort of website builders that have people who have built sort of um, so garden friendly themes that have kind of things like um, bi-directional linking and maybe they'll have a graph overview of all your notes so people can kind of browse around them in a more visual way. 
Um, so there's lots of really interesting um, themes being built if you're willing to go use code. So even just that is is sort of deciding, am I going to go the more technical route or am I happy with just using, you know, uh, Rome or Obsidian or Notion, um, something that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, well, they're not all private companies, and I don't think there's too much risk really in putting your notes in, in one of those, as long as you have your own backup that is plain, you know, markdown notes, because, you know, you do say, right, we've all seen, you know, long term in the web, you know, companies fold and platforms go mm -hmm. down, and as long as you have your own backup, you know, it's kind of okay, um, just to not put all your eggs in someone else's basket is kind of the principle. Um, so yeah, I'd say picking, picking the right platform, and then after that, um, yeah, it depends on if people are really clear on what their sort of niche or field is. I mean, that thing of when people always say, well, I don't know what to write about with blogging, right? They go like, I don't I don't know what I would write about. Um, and I think actually gardening helps make that easier because you sort of just look at whatever you're reading at the moment and what you're con kind of consuming. And it's easier to put up small notes like, okay, this is one thing I've noticed from something I've read. And it's not a whole blog post, like a fully formed opinion where I know what I think. It's just like, this is interesting, you know. I'll just post, you know, this podcast and some notes below it, or I'll just post this article and some notes below it. It it takes the pressure off you to to create something that is an opinion. Yeah, the, I liked your what you mentioned about tools, uh, simply because I know that a lot of people get fixated on that and they bounce around from tool to tool and then never actually do anything. Just like pick one thing, do it, and yeah, you know, I think once you establish yourself and have a pattern, then you can explore other tools and, you know, but keep going with that one and be like, oh, this one actually may work better for me, uh, but move forward. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love, I just, <laughs> I'm like clicking through and browsing your site because uh, it's just interesting. The fetishism, fetishism and mechanical <laughs> keyboards. I love that. That's great. Did you get one? Did you get a key? Mechanical oh, um, yeah. So the, so I got. Nice. Oh, uh, you can't really see it. I'm bad at, at arranging. Let me let me zoom camera. in. Here we go. <laughs> oh, no, we can see it. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. good. Um, I forget what brand it is. I should know, but um, it's 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 great. It is one of those where I kind of went down the rabbit hole of, of researching mechanical keyboards, and then very clearly was like, this is so much like fetishism is a very like cultural anthropology concept of of when you project human like qualities onto onto physical objects, or you or you sort of mistake the object. For, for a social connection, you're like, okay, if I get this keyboard, I'm like gonna be like a like a more socially competent person, or like I'm gonna be you know more effective, and it's and it's sort of like you're trying to like yeah, project human qualities on the <laughs> object. Um, so I actually have to write more on that piece. I've just only kind of yeah. written an introduction and been like, I'll come back to it later. <laughs> Here, let me let, let's share mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, nice like lights. Yeah, yeah. A key, I, key, I think we, key Yeah, yeah. I have the same one as you, then, because I recognize that orange escape key. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. Nikki Dick said something else. Uh, I'm willing to learn code. In fact, I'd love to. I just never have. I'm about to start a MC, MSC. MSC. So I was thinking of creating a digital garden of my learning. Do yeah. it. Do it. Definitely. <laughs> um, that's great. Now I like, kind of want to ask like follow-up questions. Like, what's the MSC about? <laughs> yeah. Ask it. Um, She'll answer. Yeah. Yeah. What is the MSC about? That's great. Because um, I love the idea of people open sourcing what's usually held behind academic walls and not where you're like, you know, like putting up, I don't know what really copyrighted in an academic degree. But this thing of like, 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 otherwise people have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to get access to this knowledge. And if you can just take parts of it and put it up on an open wiki and just sort of give people entryways into your field of knowledge. Um, I'm really, yeah, I think that's really a wonderful thing to yeah. do. Chris Aldrich, uh, Aldrich, Aldrich, I have a 
probably butchering that um said, said something nice too about you know take a season or two oh thanks frederick uh yeah. of using a tool before moving on to other fields yeah that's uh that's nice yeah good advice good advice yeah yeah like a like a test garden right you could put up you know like yeah. 10 or 15 posts on something and then if you find you don't like the platform switch to something else applied Ooh. positive oh. psychology and coaching psychology Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah, there you yes, go. Yes, I need to garden. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, you know, all, all that being said, there, it's it's not like you're um, uh, saying blogs are the devil, right? It's 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 just something it's very devil. different. <laughs> but I'm I'm just making just yeah. communicating that you know you're not stating that there's a line you shouldn't blog, but it, it's just a different thing, and it it it, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, I, I don't know if it's fair to say in certain fields, like in our field, to where you could um, build up our, uh, your technology and build up your ideas on these things. And you're not just putting something out and then it's supposed to be um, evergreen. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Now you're making me wonder exactly what the, the technical definition of a blog is other than it's a web log, right? So, because right. the thing, the difference that we would say between a garden and a blog is mostly about the blogs are usually chronologically ordered, right? So most recent to, to um, furthest in the past. I mean, you sort of browse them in a very linear form. Um, so it just doesn't, it's harder to find all the information that is like connected by relationships with gardens. You kind of want to arrange them by topics and you want to make sure notes that are related to each other link together. So you kind of can, you know, hop between um, topics and it doesn't really matter when they were written as much, you're more interested in the content and how they relate versus the blog is like time is the only thing that matters here, like up, down, you know? Um, Just like Nikki so yeah. has here, it's uh, it's blogs assume that they have to be perfect and perfect again is, is the enemy of good, right? It's you're going to be just halted to do anything. So just, just get out there and, and, and uh, uh, seating notes show my learning out loud. Yeah, exactly. Show your, show your learning out loud. People want to see how you think, and you should just get it out there. Don't be uh, afraid to put something out there in the world and show your process and, and your progress. Yeah. Um, there's also, I'll, I'll mention, um, Sean Wang is kind of the, the champion of this ethos. I don't know if you guys have had him on yet, but he's, he's really into learning in public and has yeah. some really wonderful posts about the ethos of learning in public. And different kinds of learning in public and different phases of learning in public um and he's also really into digital gardening and it's kind of cool so like he's a good one to look at if you're interested in the idea of learning in public and, and how to go about that okay yeah uh, i will reach out to this person we will get them on the show that sounds great so brian what do you think is it is it time uh one i do want to mention one thing about your, your tech stack and your website um fantastic i love how you you even kind of uh that's also like your living code digital garden. Um, I'm I'm curious how search web mentions and nested note folders going. <laughs> oh, oh, and, and Brian, like, sorry, sorry. Before you say that, uh, Nikki didn't catch that. Who was that that we just mentioned? Oh, Sean Wang. Um, uh, S X W Y, I think, is his moniker that he goes by. But Sean Wang, yeah, he's he's in the web dev community. But if you search learning in public, I'm fairly sure he's one of the first Google search results. He's like he's been on this for a while. Thank you very much, Maggie. Brian. Oh yeah, yeah. I was asking how that how your uh, your your new updates are coming. How's that progressing? Because <laughs> I, um, I love, I'd love to see how you do web mentions because I've seen a few people do it, and I'm curious. Yeah, I definitely need to implement those. This is where, but being a mediocre developer really makes you a slow developer too. It's sort of like you like stare at the problem for a while, and then you like ask people on Twitter like, "Help 
Um, <laughs> so um, worth mentions, luckily, the people um, who are involved in the indie web, which um, Chris Aldrich, who is who's hanging out here too, he's a wonderful advocate for the indie web. And they have really great docs about how to put web mentions in. So I know I've bookmarked a bunch of those and like kind of need to just set aside a Saturday and read through them and figure out how to, how to put it in. Um, are you, you going to write a, a little essay about yeah. it? Yeah, I'll put up notes on like how I'm how I'm doing it. Uh, I don't think it'll be too hard. Part of me is like a little worried about my, I have to make my website more spatial and then it's still pretty linear in the posts. And so mm -hmm. at the end, you kind of get like my references and then you get like um, notes that'll link to this note. And then I'll, I think I'll put like web mentions below that and you just start stacking everything, which is kind of fine. But I figured, I'm trying to think of ways to put sidebars in or like move the metadata somewhere else. So I'm playing with ideas. <laughs> Cool. Um, so yeah, as uh, Frederick was saying, we're uh, towards the uh, end of the show and what we do is a uh, lightning round. <laughs> Where we uh, ask you questions uh, and it's like one after another, I go, Frederick goes and you just answer through them. Uh, you have lightning just like that. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, would you rather be able to copy and paste in real life or undo? Ooh, undo. Okay. That's fair. Maggie, what is your favorite thing about yourself? <laughs> Honestly. I feel, I, I'm British and I'm unqualified to answer that question. We're, we're legally not allowed to. <laughs> okay. What's up? <laughs> What's one pet peeve of yours that you wish you could just get rid of that you have that because it hampers your quality of life? Ooh. I feel like I make too many cups of tea throughout the day. I don't know if that's a pet peeve. Wait, no, pet peeve is something that's annoying, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh. Um, well, bad bad cups of tea, maybe. Like, I, <laughs> I, that I can't tolerate. <laughs> I have too high of a standard. Okay. <laughs> Earl Grey or what's your tea? Oh, oh just question. like English breakfast. I can't stand Earl Grey. Like English breakfast, like milk, like milk, sugar, like I'm very like standard. Oh, so you're not getting down <laughs> with the London fog. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> okay. You're, you're waiting somewhere. Where, where, where's somewhere that you just, you're okay waiting. You don't mind waiting. Anywhere that I have a book, which is anywhere I go. Oh, nice. I like that. Nice. What, what are you currently reading? Um, this is it's a really good book for Mishka. Um, oh. If Then by Jill Lepore, which is um, so it's a it's the history of the very first company to try to do data collection in like the 1950s um, and and trying to to like um, map human behavior and put it into computers and then try to predict how people are going to behave based off that. And they were doing it in the context of U.S. elections, and it sort of lays the foundation for everything oh. that has now become Facebook and and Google and Amazon. Interesting. Yeah, it's really well, good. I'm, I'm gonna add that one to my list. Um, okay, you're in the circus. Would you rather be the person with their head inside the lion's mouth or be shot out of a cannon? Uh, shot out of a cannon. Oh, oh nice. Okay. Yeah. Would smell better. What now? Is... Possibly. Maybe. You never know. Yeah. I mean, the lion could have some Bianca or something. What is your uh, podcast that you've been going to lately just for entertainment? Oh, I love Postlight Podcast, which is um, Paul Ford, uh, and I'm going to forget his co-host name, but they run a digital agency in New York. But Paul Ford is like an incredible tech writer who's just 
everything he writes, I just kind of die over. Um, but he's really funny, uh, as is his co-host. And they just kind of comment, do commentary on the tech world, but in a way where they're both very experienced and have been around forever. And I just appreciate that piece. Nice. Oh, love that. What What's the one chore that you absolutely hate to do? Uh, well, in the UK, we have line scale in all our water, which like just covers any surface oh, you yeah. have and just like weird uh, white flaky stuff. And you just have to spend like all weekends just scrubbing it off or it just builds up and destroys your flat. So I spend an inordinate amount of time scrubbing line scale off everything. I just hate it all the time. <laughs> Maggie, favorite cartoon as a kid? Uh, this is bad because I didn't grow up with television. Is the problem? I grew up in okay. Like, well, let me, let me let me let me revert. What's your favorite cartoon now? Um, oh God, I'm, I'm not fun. I don't watch cartoons. I'm really <laughs> bad at this question. <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's all right. Pass. I love right. Calvin and Hobbes, which is not a TV show, but that's a comic. Oh yeah, I love that. Still qualifies. Not qualifies. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have so many of their their books. I love them a lot. Um. <laughs> So Mars is livable, but it's a one-way mm. trip. Would you go to Mars? No, I really like Earth. I'm really, I'm really here for the Earth. Like I'm really. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's your thing. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, so far, hey we all have our planets. Well. <laughs> we all have our planets. That's right. <laughs> Maggie, you come home. It's one <laughs> in the morning. You're just trying to get the key in the door. It's pouring out. You're like, just get me in the house. You get in the house. There is a ghost. It's looking right at you. What do you do? Try to take a photo with my iPhone. No. All right, you can. That's your choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be <laughs> useful, would I? Right there. Let that. me get this on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking evidence. And I just went, oh my god, we're in the land of like deep fake videos. I don't know what an iPhone yeah. photo would have done for me there, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what's uh one thing you miss a lot a lot about being a kid? Ooh, um, oh god, I'm really bad. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I'm thinking of too many things. Um, maybe it was just like I mean, I get really lost in in just doing. Maybe it was pre-internet days. I don't know. I just get really lost in doing things like organizing my entire Beanie Baby collection, like categories or something, or just like cutting and pasting a thousand strips of paper together like it was yeah very much just like spending hours getting lost in very simplistic tasks in times before we i was on the screen all the time i hear you this is my last question maggie what do you do that brings you joy what do you do for fun how do you disconnect um it's definitely still drawing even though it's it's part mm. of my career or profession or whatever it is with like doing over here working um it's it's still like if I need to decompress for the day, um, I'll like put on uh, like a YouTube lecture of someone I really like. But then I'm I'm doodling and I'm not. It's not for to show anyone or to do. It's just sort of me trying to think with my hand and my body, um, which is really satisfying. Uh, I do have a follow up question, but I'll let Brian go first. Um, so uh, what kind of drink can be bitter and sweet? Wait, Realty. What kind of drink can... Reality. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh maggie <laughs> all right Ms. Th this might be a uh, might not be a lightning round question but for for the people that uh want to do kind of like what you what you do um where do you find that you're the most creative and you get the most done in which medium so when i say that i mean is it when you put pen to paper 
when you put a, a pencil to your iPad, your iPad pencil, or when you're, you know, in Illustrator or, or Figma or something like that? Where where do you feel like you're the most creative and, and why? Uh, yeah, I definitely use an, uh, an iPad uh, with Procreate uh, on like an iPad Pro is kind of my medium for the moment, just because it has the most flexibility. It feels, doesn't feel just like paper, but it's, you know, it's getting there, kind of does what you need it to. Um, yeah. And that space, you know, it just being able to use your hands and think spatially and look at what you're drawing and respond to it in a, in a constant mm -hmm. feedback loop, right? It's not like you create the image in your head and then you draw it, but this relationship between you and what you're creating in this constant loop is is like kind of where the thinking happens. I know that's like a famous Richard um, Feynman quote that that someone asked him like, how did you come up with the ideas of when he drew like Adams and stuff? And he's like, no, I, I found like, it was part of the process with me and the paper. It wasn't like I came up with them and then drew them down. Like I didn't know what they were before I drew them. Um, that loop is like a really magical process to be in. Um, and that's kind of the thing I'm always addicted to. It's just like, you, you don't know what you're doing until you see it on paper and then you respond to what you've made and it just becomes this infinite um, game. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna try it one more time. Why is Peter Pan <laughs> always flying? I don't know. Be because he never lands. <laughs> never <laughs> land. Oh. Ugh. That is good. Now, now you're making me think there's more layers to Peter Pan than I originally perceived. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's deeper than we all thought. <laughs> We're right at the end. We want to make sure that we put up um, all the places where people could find you at Maggie. So on the Twitters, the LinkedIn here, um, uh, and the your website, of course, MaggieAppleton.com. Dribble with your first initial, your your last name. Is there anywhere that I might be missing here that you want people to look up uh, to find more about you? No, no, they can see. I think that's pretty good. My my website tends to. I try to make it at least a hub that will link to anywhere else that. Um... Needs to yeah, be and for, yeah, for our audio listeners, it's uh, can you put that back up so I can reference it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's Maple Tons. It's spelled M A P P L E T O N S for her Twitter and Maggie, M A G G I E, Appleton.com for her website. And yeah, I, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, before we get to that, before the, the last thing we like to do is offer uh, an opportunity mm. for uh, some final. Of wisdom, Maggie. <laughs> end here, do you have anything to uh, to say to the audience? Chair is yours. Ooh, uh, the only thing I can think of to like recommend that I just want to say, if, if anyone doesn't know who Brett Victor is yet and hasn't read his work, um, WorryDream.com, go do that. That's just like a life changing experience if you've never experienced Brett Victor before and you work in tech. So that that would be the only thing I'd recommend. Awesome, thanks. Cool. And Nikki had a good time. Thanks, Nikki. You guys yeah, thank you, so Nikki. Fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and I uh, appreciate you joining us. Time, I always say, is the most valuable thing we have, and for you to spend some time with us. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, especially on, on a and Saturday. You... Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Um, thank you for all the great questions, too. This was this is incredibly easy. You know, you always worry you're going to come on and say stupid things or just, like, have, have no content. And, and you guys are just great questions. Made it super easy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Really thank appreciate you. it. No, th this was excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maggie. And, and thanks, everybody out there for watching. Really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll catch you. you next time. Yeah, thanks, everybody. See ya. Thanks for consuming the Thunder Nerds. We honestly and
and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show. Please subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Write us review. Keep a few stars our way. I enjoy the best podcast for technology out there, and that is Thunder Nerds. Thunder Nerds. Thunder Nerds. Thunder Nerds. That's our new intro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hope you don't mind if we use that. I'll say about it after the show. Oh, I love penguins. I love Frederick. Oh, I love penguins. I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?